Like the best conversation happens before we actually start the conversation, all, and so it's like, okay, I wish I would have been recording uh, during that, and we would have edited it in. I feel like Will Ferrell always. That's when it's wrong. Oh yes, because uh, he got so many takes. Uh -huh. like, <laughs> yes, it's like I had ribs for lunch. That's why I'm doing this. Lanolin, like sheep's wool, just <laughs> just makes those. Yes, uh, I something I know. Brown cow. How uh, now, brown cow? Yes. How now, brown? When he's getting his mouth ready to speak, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I quote that movie way too often. So my wife never understands anything. Yeah. I say she just assumes it's from a movie, and she doesn't want to know. Tanya's the same way. She's she's got over thirteen years of quote naturally brain dynamite. She's catching on a little. Yes. But her she she hasn't uh -huh. grown her in her yeah. um, love for me. Yes. In it at all. Uh, yesterday <laughs> I quoted Joe Dirt. And I told him, it's like, that's not Joe Dirt. She's like, I, I want to know nothing about it. I never want to see it again. I have no appreciation for any part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I got my whole crew saying, dang, now, because of Joe Dirt. When he goes, dang! Oh, yes. I say uh -huh. it all the time back there. Yeah. Now they just keep saying, dang, all day. And they're like, dude, why are we saying, dang? <laughs> Joe Dirt, dude. <laughs> the philosopher Joe Dirt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Welcome to The Great Exchange, a podcast about examining the lies that we believe and exchanging them for God's truth. I'm your host, Brady Cohn, and joining me today is our guest, Luke Wilbanks. Welcome, Luke. Thanks. Luke, you were on several episodes last summer, and it was super awesome. You shared your story. We talked about some deep things like sexual addiction, pornography, and I actually had a guy, uh, I got an email one day from a guy in Florida who gave his life to Jesus after finding the episode. He would Google like suicide and, and sexual addiction because he was like suicidal because of his sexual addiction and found the video on YouTube. Whoa, and I've been corresponding with him for months now and uh, kind of plugging a local church. And it was all because you had the courage to share and uh, share what God's done in your life, that's which is amazing. pretty remarkable. Praise God, dude. That's so, awesome. Yep. So if you haven't seen Luke's previous episodes from last summer, go uh, and look those up. Cool. Uh, but today, we are talking about hospitality, which does not seem like the normal topic for a podcast where we usually talk about sexuality issues, culture, uh, marriage, those types of things. But hospitality is actually super important. And I think that there's a lot of lies that our culture believes about hospitality and that we also believe in the church. Yeah. And so we want to dispel some of those lies. Yeah. So why is this a topic that you're so passionate about? Uh, I think as somebody, first of all, I should say this. I think we get hospitality wrong because of the wording in our present day terminology where uh, just like the church I think likes to do, we like to shift things in the Bible to make it kind of fit our lives. Mm, yes. Where the, the Greek word for hospitality most of the time in the New Testament, almost everywhere in the New Testament, actually means brotherly love for the stranger and the outsider. Mm. And actually the last part of that Greek word also can be translated into an enemy. So brotherly love for your, the stranger, the outsider, the enemy. Wow. Which is very different than setting yes. a table and getting your forks placed properly yes. and inviting your friends over. Yes, absolutely. It is, it is very different. And so I think with, with that definition, I think as somebody who has felt 
very much on the outside a lot of my life. A lot of loneliness, a lot of longing to be at the table with others. Uh, hospitality, that definition, is what I longed for and ultimately have received in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but mainly from God, who crucified his own son so that I could be welcomed as a stranger and outsider into his home forever. So wow. because I love the gospel centrality of hospi hospitality, that's what makes me such a fan. And then owning a business where it's a coffee shop where yes. you welcome strangers to the door every day, it, it, it actually gives me the means to live out something that, that Jesus has really blessed me with. So. And we see that hospitality. The first time Mary and I walked into your coffee shop, uh, we went and uh, you know sampled your coffee. It was before you actually opened, you were just selling beans. And uh, we went on a Saturday, sampled your coffee, got a bag of beans. And as soon as we walked out of the door, I was like, those guys have to be believers because there's so much just uh, joy and um, hospitality of welcoming in the stranger uh, that wasn't to uh, just get business, but actually to care for people's soul. And I see that in your coffee shop every day. I'm there all the time. Yeah. And that you've built a culture of we, we welcome in the stranger more for more than just business, but to really bear their burdens, to carry their story, yeah. to walk alongside them. And that is a remarkable picture of hospitality. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, the, the welcoming aspect is more than just like a, a mat to wipe your feet on that says welcome. I think the welcoming part of hospitality is actually that. Like, I want you to be part of mm. this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Where the stranger and the outsider, it's easy to toss some breadcrumbs out to the hungry. Yes. It's, it's the bare minimum. Give to an organization that might feed them. Big time. Uh, so I think that one of the lies that we believe about hospitality is that it involves our friends, whereas uh, true biblical hospitality is welcoming the stranger. And hopefully those strangers become friends. Yeah. Like we develop deep relationships with them, but we think of hospitality as entertaining uh, and uh, and then entertaining our friends, and it couldn't be further from the truth. No. So it's like inviting them sometimes in messy places. Uh, and so I think that where those lies then inhibit us from practicing good biblical hospitality is that we think that's entertaining, so we have to have a nice enough space. Yeah. And so if our house isn't perfect, <laughs> then we can't, you know, show hospitality. Uh, and then our house is never perfect, and especially once you have a bunch of you know little kid minions in there, yeah. uh, and so then you just never you know show hospitality. But it's actually more inviting people into your life, not into this perfectly manicured space. Yeah, and I think because we all know how messy our lives are behind our closed doors, mm. actually making the house perfect and setting the table perfectly and trying to create this like, you know totally clean atmosphere is actually not welcoming at all yes you're actually uh -huh. not welcoming them into yeah. a, an atmosphere that makes them comfortable because what does welcome people in and make me feel welcome as a equal is when somebody doesn't have a clean house when they invite me in anyway and they let the chaos of their real life mm -hmm. come upon me and allow me the same opportunity to share my chaos with them yeah. that is true welcoming that's great you know one time when i was in seminary um, my discipler mentor Clayton, still a really good friend. Um, I was uh, 
I don't know, we're having a conversation about how I like all my public spaces in my house are very meticulous. Like I want them to be clean. I like to have lots of people over, well decorated. You know, I put way too much thought and concern into what they look like. But then there's always some rooms in my house that are kept because, and I always refer to Mary as like, I need like a staging area, <laughs> the area behind the curtain where everything is thrown. <laughs> and so, and as I was telling Clayton about that, it's like, oh yeah, I just want everything to be clean, but you no, know, just throw everything in the closet. He's like, that sounds kind of like your spiritual life. <laughs> and it's like, oh, thanks a lot, Clayton. But totally. it's true on like, you know, welcome people into the my spiritual life that's all cleaned up, but have some doors and some curtains where that uh, behind what everyone can see is really, really messy and keep those hidden. Yeah. But hospitality is not only inviting people into our physical space that can be messy, but our emotional spiritual our soul that is still messy and in, in some of those places behind the curtains where we bear out our soul for one another big time yeah i think like matthew 25 says on that last day jesus will say to the people on his right like you welcomed me when i was mm. a stranger you fed me when i was hungry and they're like lord when did we, when did we do this and he's like what you did unto the least of these mm. you did unto me absolutely and so I, I think it's okay to have the mindset of like if Jesus was coming to my home, I would clean up, not to be accepted, but just to care for him. Yes. So that's fine. But he's not super distracted by... By the craziness yeah. of Legos and hurting himself on my boy's toys. Yes. But at the same time, if I'm trying to hide something in me from him, he, he knows it and he doesn't appreciate that. Mm. He, he says, come to me, all who are heavy laden mm -hmm. and burdened, and I will give you rest for your soul. And so... I think for the stranger, for the immigrant, for the outcast, to welcome them in and say, this is where we're equals. We're equally broken, equally needy, and, and let's share this meal together, and let me point you to the one who satisfies. You know, Absolutely. I think that's, at least in my mind, true biblical hospitality. Yes. You know? I love uh, Rosaria Butterfield. Do you know Rosaria? Oh, big time. Uh, so... I, I recommend all of her books. You know, she uh, was part of the LGBTQ community, um, Love Had Lifestyle after she came to know Christ. That is a great story. But one of her books, it's actually on my bookshelf right there, is The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's awesome. And it's all about hospitality. I love that concept of the gospel comes with a house key of when we're calling someone to repentance, we uh, allow them into our life and into our homes. Like they should have a key to our house. And I think that's also, you know, a metaphor to our spiritual life too that and when I, when I work all the time with the lgbtq community it's like when they come to repentance there are some heavy heavy burdens to bear and we need to invite them into our life and we need to give them a key to our house sometimes it's a literal key to our house because they might need a place to live they might need a family to live with a, a family to come alongside them and include them uh, as part of their family physically, yeah. but also spiritually, they need a, a, a key to our, really our hearts, uh, to take that analogy further, um, and at the risk of being a little cliche, yeah. but, uh, yeah. um, uh, but we have to invite them in and that's how we invite in the outsider and the stranger and, uh, include them into our life and bear one another's burdens, um, with them. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the true definition in the Greek is brotherly love for the outsider and stranger, then what you would give to your siblings, you give to the stranger. Mm -hmm. 
That's mm -hmm. what's what it's just saying in black and white. And yes. so this person who who needs a couch for a while, who needs a bedroom, who needs a key, if you would do that for your brother and your sister, siblings, blood, um, you should do it for them. Mm -hmm. And that rubs us very wrong yeah. in the Christian yeah. faith. You know, and I, I can just hear right now some of the excuses. Well, but I have to protect my family, and I have to. Uh, what if they, you know, mess up my house? Or what if this? What if that? Uh, or just, you know, I can hear the excuses rolling off people's yeah. minds. Not that any of us are perfect or any of us doing it perfect. Uh, but we live in such an independent Western culture. And so we reject biblical hospitality. And then, like you said, we just, uh, we have our own form of hospitality, which is entertaining our friends. And so we just project that onto what the Bible says. So we, we think we're being obedient. Yeah. So, But I do want to also address another lie that we believe about hospitality is that it's something for the women to do. Yeah. And I see that in the church all the time, is that <laughs> it's like, well, the wife is the one who shows hospitality, hospitality so she's going to have the house clean, and she's going to make a nice casserole, uh, you know, or an apple pie, and it's her role to show hospitality, whereas that is absolutely not true at all. And when the Bible, you know, uh, Timothy, 1 Timothy 5, when it's about qualifications of an elder, yeah. hospitality is the qualification to be an elder of a church. Yeah. And so obviously it's not something that's for women. It's also for men. And it's so important that God says we have to show that kind of biblical hospitality if we're going to be the leader of a church. And so that in itself should flip our vision of version of hospitality on its head and show that this is something that men need to embrace and pray about and and you know reorientate their lives around being able to show biblical hospitality. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, as a pastor, and this being one of the requirements, like it is true that in Titus and Timothy, same word, this love for the outsider as if they were your blood brother and that is not on the wife at all mm -hmm. the, the wife yes. has zero call in this this is all on me to to practice hospitality and so it is a it's a shame that we've twisted things in the church honestly to even put weight then on the women yes to carry the uh -huh. burden of hospitality uh -huh. where this is it is a burden like to we all know this like yeah. let's not joke Obedience around. comes at a like, cost the it, things it, that god calls us to do commands us to do Big comes time. at a cost and strangers and those we don't know who we don't know their ability to hurt us to take from us to do whatever we're still called to love them in a certain way and to shove our wives out there and be like you take mm. the the front row yes. of this uh -huh. is horribly twisting scripture yeah you know where men should be leading in this yes. lovingly going for this is how we protect our family, by loving the outsider, right? Yes. Not by shoving our kids and wives out the door for them to practice it. And so we, we've just twisted it. Yeah. One reason why I wanted to do this episode now is because this winter and spring, we, we've just recently had a couple of episodes that are a little more geared towards men. And I didn't really want to, I was trying not to sh throw shade at men because so many times we're told we're just not doing well enough. And that was not my heart at all. But I wanted to give men an opportunity and see that we have more opportunity to grow. And so we've had a couple episodes recently with Pastor Mick who talked about how men have not given the opportunity for 
adequate emotional development mm -hmm. and dealing with emotions. Yeah. Uh, and then we also just had Pastor Scott on who talked about uh, men showing affection and about how uh, within the church we've done a bad job of building that culture. And I wanted yours to be in this sequence with that, uh, talking about hospitality, because those are both prerequisites. If we're going to show actual biblical hospitality, we have to be emotionally mature and emotionally developed and we have to uh, be willing to show emotional affection towards people because those are both part of hospitality. Yeah. And so I think that one reason why we have such a hard time with this as men is because uh, many times we don't have the, we haven't developed the emotional capacity to do that well. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I, and I think most of our, our efforts are self-centered, why we avoid this as men in general. And I think we even play into the card of, but I need to protect my family. I need to provide yes. for my family. When I would, I would challenge anyone who goes there first to go to the New Testament and show me anywhere where it says that. Mm -hmm. Like the Christian mm -hmm. life is one of sacrifice. And believe me, I love my two boys. I will chop off any hands that get close to them. I love them to death. But that doesn't allow me to neglect the call God has put on my life as yes. a Christian man and still invite strangers into my yeah. home while protecting them there. But I do not get to say this is what God wants when the Bible is not clear enough. Yeah. There are like six verses in the whole Bible front to back on, on children, on parenting. The whole entire Bible, though, is one of taking care of the outsider, the immigrant, the stranger. And so for me to twist things... And, and and rearrange things for the sake of actually it's for my comfort yes it's absolutely. not has anything to do with my family yeah I, I can say it's for my kids but yeah. I have so much yeah. selfishness in me Definitely. that most of my life has been built to make me comfortable yeah me safe and I use my kids as an excuse to yeah. do that yeah but ultimately that doesn't I don't get to negate like the call that God has put on the church but then as a pastor you know what I'm saying yeah and then bring in this Western theology to say no but my kids i gotta protect yeah that's, right that's now mary and i have a 16 year old boy living in our house which has been a little bit messy and uh um but it's like i see that that response from christians it's like oh well you also have a toddler it's like okay the toddler's never out of our sight and we want to uh um model to our toddler what it looks like to welcome in a stranger yeah. and yesterday uh things were a little bit rough at our house and uh, with a 16 year old and different, and, but it exposed my own heart. Like I was kind of having this uh, manipulative, give him the silent treatment because I was a little bit stewing inside and some of his behavior and just, it exposed things in me that I need repentance for. Yeah. And that's what, that's why relationships and ministry and bearing burdens does. It's like, it, it exposes stuff inside of us that God wants to change. And that's how God grows us by us being obedient and then we see how selfish we actually are. And so, you know, I, I do think that that's a good word of we make all these excuses of, well, I need to protect my family. I need this. I don't have enough space. Uh, it's like, I mean, like our modern American house is like five times as big as most of the world, yeah. you know, lives in. And uh, they, they welcome in strangers, you know, and... Th I, I don't know how big the houses were in Jesus's day, but I don't think they're as big <laughs> not, as ours. Big. So no. not big. Yeah. And so we can we can settle on that. <laughs> and so we, we can come up with excuse after excuse. Um, but God uh, commands it 
and he, it's through his grace that he allows us to be a part of people's journey and people's lives and exposes our own selfishness, our own sin, uh, so that he can, by his grace, transform that. Big time. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not trying to advocate for being, like, radical, but I'm just mm. advocating to be obedient. Mm. You know what I'm yes. saying? And I think there's a difference. We're like, no, we just got to do this for everybody, and you load yeah. 90 people into your home, uh-huh. and you never see your family. I'm all things in wisdom. You yes. just can't throw out parts of the Bible to make our lives easier. Yes, or which, more comfortable. Which is, I do naturally. Even as a pastor, yes. I find myself as a hypocrite every day trying to twist certain things, you know, in my mind to make myself okay with this, either omission or commission sin. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. guilty, and I just I want to just stop being so guilty of avoiding the call to, to deny myself daily, pick up a cross and follow this very hospitable Jesus. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Luke, I think that that's a really good word, and I appreciate so much uh, as we examine these lies that we have believed and, um, and live lives in which we make disciples. And so, and my heart with uh, talking about hospitality, because I see that so many times with the LGBTQ community, but my life has been changed by people who show good hospitality, who actually sacrificed and did it joyfully, which I don't always do. I didn't do it yesterday uh, with our 16-year-old, and um, I, I owe him an apology, and, uh, and I'm going to fail in the future, but we grow in that by putting these things into practice and by being obedient. And so that's my heart for our listeners is we can grow in obedience so that we can be a witness so that people can really see the hope that we have. And we, we use that verse all the time is that we want people to see the hope that we have. It's like people see the hope by, that we have by us inviting them in to not only our homes and our physical spaces, but our the deep parts of our lives. That's where people can see the hope, but they won't see it unless we invite them in and we, we build some deep relationships. Big time. So. Yep. This is a lived out life, not just something for our brains to go to get a hold of. Yep. But the, being a city on a hill, the church is the light of the world. That, that light is shown when it says, do good works so they may glorify the Father in heaven. Mm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's not our theology that's going to make them glorify them. It's our theology lived out yes. that they're going to see the true Christ and all of his hospitality. Yep. And we can't we, we can't have one without the other. So it's like we start with a the theology and we thing. live out that theology. <laughs> so a lot of people want to live out these good virtues, but when they don't have a foundation of Jesus and good theology at yeah. the center of it, then it's not going to give people biblical hope. True. All right. Well, Luke, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the great coffee you brought me. So you always spoil me. So and you put all my favorite things in it. So uh, that's good hospitality right there. So I appreciate it. And thank you for just inviting me into your heart this morning and all of our listeners. And uh, we appreciate uh, just what you do in the community, what you do for the church and your model for godliness, obedience, hospitality. Thanks, man. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Great Exchange. We pray that as you go throughout your week, you can examine the lies you believe and exchange them for God's truth. Be sure to check out our website, thegreatexchangepodcast.com, our main ministry website, calibrateministries.com. If you want to contribute to the ministry, we'd love that too. But share us on social media, tell your friends about us, and we appreciate that. And we'll hopefully see you next week. Thank you. (laughs) 